Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, I want to let you know that Talking Metal will be attending the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. It's on August 26th. Please come to Nashville. Join us for this great event it's, and it's not just Talking Metal. It's Decibel Geek Podcast will be there. The Rock and Roll Geek Show with Michael Butler. You know, he's the guy who started all this, in my opinion. Uh, Rock and Metal Combat, The Double Stop, The Great Albums Podcast, Rock Strikes 10 Podcast with my good friend Joey Haney, The Talk Tomy Podcast. I actually just listened to an episode of, of that podcast, finally. Very well done show. Uh, great stuff. Also, the Drunken Lullabies podcast will be there. It's going to be a a great time. I'm definitely going to be there. From the sounds of this episode you're about to hear, John Ostronomy, Ace Frehley's main man, might also be there. And possibly Emily will be there, my wife. So you got to come hang with us. Again, it's August 26th. We can definitely have some fun together. There is a GoFundMe page if you want to co-host a Talking Metal episode while you're there at the Rock and Pod Expo. You can do so for $75. You get to pick all the music, the discussion that we have on the show, and we'll record it live right there at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee on August 26th. All the details are going to be up in the show notes. There's three of these guests hosting spots available. What you do is you go to the official GoFundMe page, which is also linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. It's GoFundMe.com slash RockNPodExpo, R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D-E-X-P-O. You go there, you make the pledge for $75, and just when you make the pledge, note that it's for the Talking Metal guest host spot. 
and we'll do whatever you want. You can reach out to me with an email ahead of time at mark at talkingmetal.com, and we'll figure out what you want to talk about. I'll have the songs all ready to go. It's going to be a blast. And even if you don't want to do a guest hosting position, come hang with us in Nashville and support us with the GoFundMe page, again, which is linked through today's show notes. We'll have all the details up in today's show notes on this great event, August 26th in Nashville, Tennessee. I want you there with me, guys. It's going to be a blast. Rock and Pod Expo. With Talking Metal. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey everybody, John Astronomy here, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft, Jersey City, New Jersey, on Talking Metal, episode 663, here's Mark Striegel. Hey John, how are you? I'm doing great, Uh, this is really fun, we are doing a podcast via Skype, I am in Jersey City, and you are at Um, home. Yeah, I'm in Maplewood, and heading into New York City soon, going to see a show called Book of Mormon, taking my my mom to that. It's kind of a racy show, so I'm not sure how she'll react. But uh, yeah, yeah. Seen a lot of good shows lately. Saw Anthrax this past week. Where was that show at? I I knew they were in town. Yeah, that was the opening of the tour. It was in Montclair, New Jersey, and absolutely packed. It was like four bands. It was Josta, um, some other band, uh, the the Devil Wears Prada or something right, like that. Right, yeah. Right. Then Anthrax, uh, then Killswitch, which we unfortunately left before Killswitch went on because you know Josta played, and then you know they basically all three of the the first three bands were all set up on stage, um, and then after Anthrax, you know, so they all they had to do is quickly clear the stuff out, and the next band would start playing, and like right. you know, fifteen minutes later. But with, when Anthrax was done, they got full use of the stage, so they had to do an entire breakdown. Wow. And the, the I don't know if it was because it was the first night of the tour, but we stood there for like 40 minutes, and Killswitch still wasn't on. And I was just right. like, let's let's go, you know, So because we had a babysitter <laughs> at home. Right. But Anthrax, just, just great. Uh, very cool. heavy on Among the Living, the set, which was good. There was speculation that they might be actually playing the, the full Among the Living album because that's what they had done in in europe a, a month or month or so back and uh they did not they, they had a good mixture of of tunes but definitely heavy on that record i'd say probably like two or three songs off the the newer record for all kings which i love um you know other classics thrown in of course madhouse and uh that's cool. uh, what else i'm trying to think uh anti-social you know yeah so, oh but, great yeah, that, that's cool great night I saw a bunch of stuff on Facebook. It looked like Scotty Inn was hanging out with uh, a lot of his, you know, local New York friends at different bars and different places throughout the city. So that was really cool. And uh, now I saw something on Facebook where Emily was singing with somebody recently. Yeah, she did. Um, uh, Dio 
Sabbath tribute in the city. She did the song Lady Evil by oh, cool. uh, by Black Sabbath. Where was song. that at? It was at Arlene's Grocery. And it was, nice. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a Black Sabbath tribute. They did one set of Dio, and she got to sing the song Lady Evil. And then they did one set of uh, Sabbath with Ozzy, and you know that was after. So yeah, that was great. Unfortunately, cool. I wasn't there because you know we have the two kids and. It was in the middle of the night that, that she went on, but it sounds like it was a, a great time and a, a, a great night. You seen any shows lately, John? Uh, I haven't seen anything, but I'm going to a show tomorrow at the Prudential Center. It is not a metal show. Uh, oh, yeah? You forgive me, Father Fry of Sin. <laughs> <laughs> the Pretenders opening oh, nice. for Stevie Nicks. So oh, I that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I saw that. I, wanna, I wanted to go to that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, oh, tickets tomorrow. are still available if you're interested. Wow. That sounds great. And you know, um, I saw Holland Oates is going to be playing at the Prudential oh, Center. Oh, cool. I'll the, go to that. Yeah, yeah, which also a non-metal show that I would I would love to see. You know, it's funny. Like, when I go to see shows like that, sometimes I have, like, such a it's, – it's just a casual thing, you know, for me. Like, I'm not, like, obsessive. Like, when I go see Iron Maiden and I'm, like – stressing over the set list and everything yeah. that they say and, <laughs> and like so focused and stuff. When I go see a, a show like that, I, I, I have, it's just always a good time for me because it's, it's, it's uh, such a casual event. And, right. You There's know. no pressure on you. And yeah, and that's it's like, I, things- I'm not like holding my pee, you know, because I, I'm going to miss something. <laughs> You're you know? going to miss a song. Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, I, I, I do have some metal news to report uh, 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 on a show that I saw, but Back to the topic. Um, one of the things I like about what I'm going to do tomorrow is that uh, there, there's nothing going on. There's no interviews. I haven't made any calls. Like right. I could have probably made some calls to a tour manager and say, look, here's who I am. And could you get me in and this, that, and the other thing. And sometimes it just feels so good not to do that. And like most of our listeners, um, you know, a lot of them might think that it's so cool to do some of the stuff that we do. And it is, um, you know, where we go backstage and we do interviews, but sometimes it's just so nice not to have to worry about that. And, uh, to just go to a show, enjoy the show, just like a normal person, you know, take off when you want to. And, and there's no pressure. You don't have to yeah. worry about, are your tickets there? Are the passes yeah, there? Exactly. Is the band in a good mood? Are you going to have a problem? You know, and, th- and it seems to me, I mean, I, I really have stopped asking for free tickets. I will occasionally, and if somebody offers them to me, I might take them. But there's been so many times where people are like, oh, yeah, you're on the list. Go check it out. And I get there, and I'm not on the list. Right. You know, and, and I, like, even Overkill, who I just saw recently, I, I asked for a press pass, and they were like, oh, do you want to be on the list? Too? And I was like, no, I, I bought tickets, actually. And they were like, they were like oh, that's great. You brought bought tickets? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's only because time after time I get to these shows and and I'll be like, yeah, it's me plus one. And they're like, what list are you on? I stand there like an idiot. I mean, I, do you remember? I seem to remember us standing at the um, Irving Plaza once, and the list was messed up. And yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it just goes. It's oh yeah, it's I remember. Always a. a it's always seems like it's it's there's some sort of problem, yeah. and, and, and been, I, I yeah. it's like you said I I prefer to buy the tickets. People are like, how do you get such good seats? It's because I saved my money and I don't go to the movies. I don't do anything except go to shows, right. you know. And and I I bought VIP t- tickets or I bought ex- more expensive tickets so I could enjoy the show. 
And yeah, some, sometimes it's like, oh, you, you know, people are like, you always get the good seats because you do talking metal. No, no that's not the <laughs> right, case, right. actually. We get the seats because you, you, you actually bought a VIP seat. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I've been on both sides of the fence because one of the hardest things on an ACE tour is to deal with guest lists and VIP lists and, and all that. And, and that's one of the things that every tour manager, uh, you know, has to contend with. A lot of times they have, you know, somebody who's dedicated specifically to VIPs or to tickets. Like in, in this particular case, or at least in my case, you know, a lot of that uh, falls under the my domain and you know, the last thing I want to do is have like, you know, one of Ace's personal guests get there and, and experience what we frequently experience and then they're screwed up. And, um, and, and so half of the time, instead of worrying about, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, is the band going to play the song and this, that, and the other thing, stuff that you would think that the tour manager is worried about. I'm worried about guest lists and, and tickets and who has a ticket, who doesn't have a ticket. And it just gets so sometimes overwhelming. And, um, so I understand what it's like on our end and I understand what it's like on, uh, the band's end, which is why sometimes it's just so easy to just, and it's so stress-free to just buy your own ticket and go to the gig. And, and even if you're going to do an interview, like sometimes it's just easier to buy the ticket, like you said, because then you at least know you're in, you don't got to worry about that. Uh, they can pull you back for an interview. That's fine. Right. For example, uh, I'm checking out M3, which I'm totally psyched to go down to that. And even though I had the the, pro, the producer of the festival on a recent episode for an interview and and uh, no people down there, I specifically went and I bought the tickets mainly because I just don't want any mix-ups. You know, I'm, I'm right. Have it, there's so much pre-planning involved. You know, I got to take the kids to their grandma beforehand. Uh, Emily and I are coming down. You know, we're, we have a hotel room booked. We're driving four hours. I just don't want to get down there and have somebody say, uh, nope, we can't find you. You're not in the list. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It's sold uh, out. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just there's too much involved. And and B, I like supporting. I mean, right. I, I know I know that sounds crazy, but but I, I, I like supporting. And, you know, if I'm in a financial situation where I can buy a CD or pay for the download or buy a ticket for for the show if i am in that situation i like to support this stuff that i love that that quite frankly isn't the you know big corporate machine that it used to be 20 years ago 30 years ago it's just it's just not and i want to see a band like last in line come back through uh, the clubs in New Jersey. I want to see Overkill again. So I, I, I really have no problem buying a ticket. I mean, sometimes when they, they get way up there in price and I, I think they're they're overcharging, that bums me out. But hey, if they can still do that in these times, hats off to the bands that can do that, you know. Yep. And you know, I, I, you were at the, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Kiss. You were there for Ace. Now, I, I know... 90% of the people listening to this know this, but John, can you just review for the, the listeners what your association with, with Ace is? Okay. Yeah, I am Ace's tour manager, and I have uh, been his tour manager since 2014, and uh, I've been his assistant, personal assistant since 2009 or 2010, something like that. And right. I basically handle all things for Ace. Uh, right on. So, so you were at the rock and roll induction into the hall of fame, uh, with, with kiss with ACE. And 
I mean, just, and then we'll move on to the next subject, but Paul Stanley showed up there that night, and this is something he's spoken about publicly, and the tickets were messed up for his family, you know, right. like, like he didn't, they didn't have the right seats waiting for him that he was promised for. And it was a big, you know, mix up or, or he, he thought that maybe they were purposely screwing him over at one point. I, I suspect it was probably just a mix up, but who knows? Um, you know, and it's like, so if a guy like Paul Stanley shows up and doesn't know if his tickets are going to be there waiting for him, you can as sure, you know, it's yeah. a sure thing that Mark Striegel is going to show up and have a mix up, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that that is one of the craziest stories and you know, it's so true and it it happens all the time and that's right. that's uh, and I'll tell you I know how easy it is to happen because sometimes I even you know, uh, make mistakes, you know, when I'm on the tour manager side and, um, I know how hard it is for, you know, people who are traveling. And one of the things that I never realized is that like when we would previously show up to talking metal interviews and, you know, we'd give the tour manager a call and sometimes it'd be a mistake. And back in the day, I didn't understand, um, you know, I would be like, why, you know, why can't they do an interview now? Or what, what, what are they, what else do they have to do? It's like, we're here, we're there. You know, now I completely understand because a, a lot of times, like, I don't even get into the same city that the show is at until like maybe 5 p.m. or something, even though our crew has been there since the morning. And, and, you know, and then I'm trying to get all this together. And it's really, really easy to accidentally overlook. Oh, yeah, that's right. So and so said that they were going to be in this town on this date. And I freaking completely forgot about it. And then, you know, they get here and then they're calling, where's my ticket? And, right. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. But anyway, so. The good, good news is, is I bought tickets to the Stevie Nicks thing. It's going to be nice. I, I didn't set up anything. I'm just going to go enjoy the show like a normal person, and uh, I, I'm going to have a great time. Now, yeah. I wanted to quickly tell you uh, that uh, I went to see a Ramstein movie premiere, Ramstein in Paris. How was that? In, in Manhattan, and it was great, and it was uh, really, really cool. Um, for those of you who may not know, the band Ramstein has... Uh, uh, just put out a new movie that uh, is showing in certain theaters. There was a big uh, like premiere in Berlin, I believe, and the band showed up and it was like a big thing. And in New York, it it was, uh, you know, it wasn't like the kind of premiere where there's a red carpet and stuff like that, but it was a a premiere. I I think it was a one night only thing, although I could be wrong. And I went to it. It was very cool. But (laughs) one thing you mentioned is I, I was sitting like, like near the back of the theater and I, I just cut out for like five seconds to, to run to the bathroom. And when I came back, it, they were already partway into my favorite song, uh, f- right. Fire Fry. Uh, and then I was like, I can't believe this. I take off for like five seconds. And the next thing you know, I'm missing my favorite song. Right. right. Yeah. So that's kind of what you were saying with yeah. the Iron Maiden thing. And yep. um, but uh, it was cool. Uh, Mike Lincoln um, uh, came with me and uh, and drove me home. And uh, it was it was a fun, fun night. Cool. Yeah, and well, you went to see Last in Line. I know we got to get into the uh, show. We got a, a great show. Uh, Mark, yeah, we got Dan, Dan Lorenzo, Lorenzo too. Yeah, yeah Dan Lorenzo friend. is on the show today. So, real quick before we get to, uh, into the talking about Dan, um, you went to see Last in Line. Yes, great stuff. Last in Line, two of the original members of the classic Dio lineup: Vinny Apice, Vivian Campbell. And, you know, Jimmy Bain, of course, before he passed away, was a part of Last in Line. And, yeah, just a a great, great night. So many 
great Dio classics. I would say it was, you know, 70% Dio classics in the set. Uh, and then their, their, their stuff, their new stuff too, is also very good. And the one thing, you know, I'll keep this short, but the one thing I, I just did that will always stay with me about that show is, you know, I've seen Vivian many years with, uh, in re- many times in recent years with Def Leppard and he, it looks like he's having an all right time. He goes out, but you know, goes out and plays the stuff and is, is a lot of fun and great to watch. But at the last in line, the guy had the biggest smile on his face. All wow. He just looked like he That's was enjoying cool. it so, so much. And that was great to see because we all know that he's have, has had some recent health scares and, and issues that he's, he's been dealing with. So hats off to Vivian Campbell. And yeah, definitely. If you have a chance to see last in line, do it. Uh, on that note, let's, let's uh, hit this interview with, with Dan Lorenzo but before we get into it, let's listen to an old classic. This is from 2012. This is Dan Lorenzo, John, myself, Rob Dukes, and Overkill drummer Ron Lipnicki playing Snowblind by Black Sabbath. Remember doing this? Yeah, it was a great, great time. We did it at the Gibson Guitar Showroom, formerly the Hit Factory in New York City up on 52nd Street or 54th Street. I can't remember now, 52nd or 54th, one of those two streets. Um, It was a great, great time. Yeah, and it's 100% live. There's also a video of this on YouTube, which I will post in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And you will check this out, and that'll be followed by my interview in my car in the parking lot of a restaurant in Englewood, New Jersey, Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, actually, right after Dan and I had eaten lunch. So here you go. Dan Lorenzo, great to reconnect with you.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and joining us here on the podcast is Dan Lorenzo. Dan, it's been a while since you've been on. Welcome back. I was just going to say, it's nice to see you again. We were in a band together, for God's sakes, for two shows, right? Yeah. I bet no, none of your listeners know about that. Uh, well, Screaming Metal, I'm sure some of them do. I, we had a, a handful of them flew out for the first gig. I remember that. Um, Screaming Metal played two shows at Dingbats, and we did... Uh, covers and had people like rob dukes and metal mike join us uh join us on stage for for songs that was fun yeah steve zing who's my neighbor right. plays bass for danzig yeah it was totally fun you know mark from accept too right yeah. right after he got the gig from accept yeah. and they wouldn't allow him to sing uh what we're we gonna do fastest oh no balls, balls to the wall the right right yeah. yeah yeah no yeah good stuff good stuff anyways i'm excited because your band one of the i guess i would call it like first metal thrash metal do you consider Hades thrash I I mean I do yeah I mean we were lumped in with the thrash metal scene which is fine I mean when I started Hades you know there was Hades way before resisting success so we were kind of we had a different singer named Paul Smith and a different bass player Louis Charlo who went on to join, join a band called Attacker and that original Hades was very derivative of Iron Maiden But then when uh, Paul joined the army and I was left to start a whole brand new band with Tom Coombs, um, we became more of a a thrash band. But we always tried to break it up. You know, we tried to have uh, a little more diversity than just thrash for thrash sake, you know. Right on. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that history. But first, let's talk about what's going on with the first two official releases that Hades put out. They're being re-released, right? Yeah, uh, remastered, re-released with uh, some artwork. That There's this guy named Ted Tringo in Massachusetts from, I believe it's called Dark Symphony Records, who just reached out to me um, a few weeks ago because of my buddy Eula Garrett, who lives in Germany. And usually all the attention for Hades has been from Germany, but this is a guy who is actually from America for right. once, and he doesn't want to just, like, hand us a couple of dollars and, like, re-release it. What He's, like is going off on this. He wants to, you know, remaster it. Um, he wants to, like, spend time getting the best sounds out of the first two Hades CDs, Resisting Success and If At First You Don't Succeed. There'll be uh, bonus tracks that nobody's ever heard before, us demoing songs from that album. And he seems to really be into it as far as wanting to put a nice package together. Very cool. And when did these come out? Soon? Well, you know, he's saying September, and I've been doing this for so many years, whenever a label says X, it's X plus three months or six months. So right now the plan is uh, late summer or early fall. Very cool. Now, when you go back to those records, I mean, what year was, are we talking here, like 87? Um, Yeah, 87. Very good. How do you know that? Um, We recorded Resisting Success while the Mets were in the 86 World Series and the playoffs. And then it came out in February of 87, and um, our very first show, the night before the release, was opening up for Slayer uh, at the Chance in Poughkeepsie. That was on February 1st, 1987, and then Hades Resisting Success came out uh, February 2nd, 1987. And Hades, a New Jersey band, and when you look back at kind of what was going on with metal and thrash metal specifically, you know, there was the Bay Area, obviously, and, and... anthrax more from the new york city area but it seemed like new jersey was a really important place for those early days of thrash metal um 
Megaforce Records based here. There was something called the uh, Old Bridge Militia. Mm-hmm. What What do you remember about the New Jersey scene back in those days? Well, yeah, back in the original version of Hades with Paul Smith on vocals, the Old Bridge Militia took us under their wing, and we would actually play a Metal Joe's basement. We'd play Club 516, and then we'd go play Metal Joe's basement, and there would be Scott Ian singing background for Denim and Leather by Saxon that we'd cover. And um, one of my favorite memories of Hades is when we got Alan and Jimmy Shulman and Scott LePage in the band, is we were playing a show called, a club called the China Club, which was in New Jersey, not the one in the city. And um, Billy Milano came up and he did Freddy Krueger with us. And that was like really cool because SOD was huge at that point, or at least breaking huge. And Billy Milano, I still have the demo cassette somewhere saying, I've lived my whole life in New Jersey and I've never seen anything like this in New Jersey. And the audience was, you know, it was it was unknown to me. They were slam dancing, stage diving. I'd never seen anything like it. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that they were doing it at our show. So that was something that, you know, I remember I feel like we were on the cutting edge of things. And, you know, sometimes we would get delays, so it almost seemed like, oh, you guys are following the fact. But it felt at the time like we were, you know, on a tip of something. Right, right. And what was the Old Bridge Militia? That was just Rock and Ray uh, and Metal Joe and a bunch of kids from Old Bridge who just, they'd hang out at Club 516, they'd have parties at their house, and they would not let me leave the house till like literally 6 or 7 in the morning. We'd play three sets in their basement, and I was, at first I thought I was too good to play the Old Bridge Militia's basement. Just a bunch of kids who hung out, you know? Right. And I'm, I'm like, we can't play basement, man. We're in Hades. And Metal Joe said to me, oh, yeah, he's like, Slayers played in my basement. Metallica's played in my basement. I'm like, all right, I guess we can play in your basement, you know. But it was just a bunch of fans that aligned themselves. They were kind of making a gang out of it. Nothing, you know, nothing bad. Like, not a bad gang. Just a good gang who dug music. Right. Right on. Um, You know, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the the great record which when we first met i was already listening to this record and a lot of times i feel like it's it's gets a little bit overlooked the cursed tell us a little bit about that band and how it all came about overlooked and overkill right well the cursed um evolved because i put out three solo albums dan lorenzo cassius king right and um and uh as far back as the 80s um hades would open up for overkill and then in 1993 Overkill became big fans of uh, my new band called Nonfiction. They'd hear us on WSOU, and they were really into nonfiction. And they would bring us out in America and and Europe, and we'd be their opening band. And Blitz and I stayed friendly, and um, I put out my first solo CD called Cassius King. I mailed it to Blitz, and he was, like, so into it. And he's like, if you do another solo CD, I want to sing on it. So I'm like, cool. I did a Nice Being Alone CD, my second one, and he sang uh, one song on that. Too Fast for Hate. Is that wow, what a me- you remember everything, man. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he said, let's just do a full album together one day. So I wrote a couple of riffs, and it's really weird. I hate saying this, but I'm not the hugest fan of Overkill or Blitz's voice, right. you know? And I'm like, this guy's such a good guy, though, and he's walking up to my house. How am I going to tell him I don't like his voice? Or what he's-? And he comes in, and he wrote, just the coolest stuff ever. It didn't really sound like him. If you've ever heard it, it you would never even know it's Blitz. Maybe you would. But, um, he, you know, he did something really different and unique with it. And I, I, I'm so proud of the Room Full of Sinners CD we did by The Cursed. And, you know, it kind of was real quiet. We did maybe two shows. We put the record out, and you never heard about it again because Blitz was so busy with Overkill. But, yeah, in my opinion, it still holds up 10 years later. Right. Yeah, definitely. And... We spoke about the old Hades stuff. You mentioned nonfiction, the cursed. All that stuff is pretty much in the past at this point. But what's happening with you musically now? 
Well, there was nothing happening for many, many years. I just played basketball, but I did just have fun with uh, Ron Lipnicki, who was in my solo band in Hades and Overkill. We just uh, jammed Kiss coverage with my best friend, Jimmy Shulman. I'd like to have you down with us one night. But um, the only other thing I have going on musically is there's this band called Ancient Wisdom who just moved to Cleveland from Austin, and their singer is Nathan Opposition. And even though he's a Satanist and I have Jesus tattooed, I mean, I go to church, he asked me if I wanted to write a couple songs with him, and I'm very intrigued by that. So maybe uh, I'll do a couple songs with Nathan Opposition from the band Ancient Wisdom. Ancient Wisdom, cool. we got to check them out. What, what type of music? Does ancient wisdom do? Like, how do you describe it? Satanic campfire music with catchy melody lines. There's a song called The Opposition and another song called Death Like, which reminds me a little bit of Alice in Chains. But um, the song, uh, The Opposition, it reminds me of like maybe acoustic Danzig. And it's just the catchiest mother effing song I've ever heard in my life. Wow, cool. Yeah, and I'd love to come down and jam some kiss covers with you and Ron. That would be great. how how's Ron doing? He's out of overkill now. I yeah. mean, there was just a blabbermouth headline last week that uh, said he was out because of a, a personal issue. He's he's doing okay. He's doing great. Um, it's not really a personal issue. I guess Blitz is just being kind. He wants Ron to speak for himself, and you, it's hard to get a definitive answer out of Ron. But really, just Ron is at the point in his life where you know he's married. He's been married for ten years or whatever, and it's hard to you know it's hard to go on tour, come home, and keep your job. So if you have a job that's not willing to let you go out for a month at a time and then come back, it's really hard to be in a band because right. it's not like you can make a real adult living living in New Jersey and pay your bills. So there's really nothing mysterious. Just that Ron has to uh, basically work a job now that pays the bills. He he loves Overkill. He has nothing bad to say about them. He loves the band. Loves the music. He just really can't leave to go on tour anymore and come home to a job, you know? Right, right. Understandable. Cool. Well, on that note, why don't we get into some music? I definitely want to play some stuff off the Cursed record, but first, before we do that, let's hit something off of one of the two Hades records that are going to be re-released. What do you want to play? I'd like to hear Opinionate off of If At First You Don't Succeed by Hades.
That was Opinionate by Hades here on Talking Metal. Dan Lorenzo has been our guest. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. It was so good to see you again, brother. Nice seeing old friends. You know, we're both, everybody's always so busy, but it's nice to uh, see you again, Mr. Striegel. I will say that much. Cool. Well, thank you. And yeah, we got a jam. That would be a lot of fun. Um, Please let me know what Kiss songs I need to start learning. I will send you an email when I get home. Awesome. Cool. And again, an album that I love, The Cursed, Room Full of Sinners. What should we play off of this one? How about Best of the Worst? You got it. Best of the Worst by The Cursed. Cursed? or The The Cursed. By The Cursed featuring Dan Lorenzo and, of course, Bobby Blitz of Overkill fame. Who else was in that band with you guys? Mike Christie from Nonfiction and Job the Raver. If anybody knows where Job the Raver is, please tell him. We'd all love to say (laughs) hi to him. He was in a band called Murder One, and nobody knows where he is now. All right, The Cursed here on Talking Metal. Cool. Thanks so much. Call out the militia For we'll die Now cry miss her Till she blackened my eye I'd seen her since Monday She was walking with a cop She prays on a Sunday She never stop, stop She's the best but it was high She's the best Of the worst I Call off the monkeys Before we are fried No rest for the junkies Until they get it inside Nine jokes that you got back None of the to know Her train is a new track What you just heard was a little bit of The Cursed here on Talking Metal. I'm here with John Astronomy, co-founder of Talking Metal. (laughs) It's always great 
when you're back on the episodes, John. I gotta, love it. Yeah, I love yeah. It. We, we I love it. Really it, have to try to get like a live show back because those were just ah, the that would be so cool. Yep. Yeah, we we had such a great time doing those live shows, and it was fun to have artists like the great Rob Helford and Metal of Mike and uh, Bobby Blitz and all the cool people who came into the studio with us. And we were in Midtown Manhattan, our favorite place to do podcasts and uh, one of our favorite places. And, yeah. and that was such a great, great time. I'd love to do something like that again. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of newer listeners who have joined us in the last few years. And, and there's, there's such a long history of talking metal guys. We, we were one of really the first podcasts ever. I mean, honestly, yeah, we, right, we were right. way back in, in, in any genre. I mean, yeah. like there might have been, you know, a hundred podcasts when we started. That was probably like, Hundred thousand podcasts or something like that, and, and we we grew really quickly. Um, John did one of our first major interviews, which was with the band Striper, and within uh, a few years, we were uh, started appearing on some VH1 shows. Actually, we were appearing on some VH1 shows before we launched the podcast. Right. We continued to appear on some VH1 shows as kind of talking heads. Uh, we ended up doing our own. TV show for the Fuse Network, Talking Metal on Fuse. We then ended up hosting a bunch of episodes of Headbangers Ball on MTV2. And meanwhile, we were doing this live radio show from Midtown Manhattan that went out over a now defunct internet radio platform called Live 365. And it was great. We'd get like really big name guests to come right in the studio and join us and call in. And it was a lot of fun. I, and I, I would love to get that going again yeah, in some no form because the, you know, we tried to do the live show from, from our apartments and houses and stuff. I don't know. It just never had the same feel or vibe. Right. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of history there for talking metal and, that's why, for me, it's always a, a special time when you're back on the show with me. Yeah, I, I want to be back. Uh, I'd love to be back on every episode. Hopefully, we cool. can uh, uh, work work it out schedule wise, uh, where we could, you know, even if it's not everyone, we can do most of them together. But uh, uh, sometimes it was also fun. You did solo episodes. I did solo episodes. It was a cool thing. But but yes, for sure, it is great to be back here talking to you and talking to all of the great great listeners that we have uh, about metal and. Other other random stuff. Uh, right on. One quick thing I want to mention, and you had texted me earlier this morning, and, and I found out as well online that Elise Steinman uh, from the the Great Raging Slab, a band that I had um, uh, a lot of friends in and still do, uh, has passed away. Raging, uh, Elise has passed away um, after a long battle with cancer, wow. and uh, it's just so sad. And um, those guys have always been really, really cool to me. Um, I haven't uh, seen the members or spoken to them for, for a while. I uh, Just because everybody kind of moved away and did different things. But um, I, I saw and I see Alec the Morton, the one of the bass players from what I, I consider the classic lineup. But my version of the classic lineup lineup was uh, when they when they had the videos for the songs like Don't Dog Me and Bent for Silver. Um, what was the one with Gary Coleman was in the video? Yeah, that was that was anywhere, from the album Anywhere, anywhere but, here. but Here. Yeah. yeah we gotta play that. 
Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah, they they were great, and Elise was known. One of the things she was known for was playing great slide guitar, and one of the other things she was known for was having guitars that were shaped like the United States of America, Gibson guitars. And uh, I believe, I swear to God, that I I bet she had purchased that guitar from Music Haven in Johnstown, PA, which is one of my, uh, without question, my favorite music store. Um, it still exists. And uh, I stop in there when I'm back in my hometown. And I got a lot of great gear there. My, my favorite Les Paul, uh, my parents bought me for my, uh, I think, college graduation um, at uh, Music Haven. And uh, uh, my dad bought a great Strat that he has uh, there. We bought a lot of amps there. I bought drum equipment there but keyboards there, uh, just such a, that store means a lot to me. And I used to remember seeing that American, you know, it's like a, it's like a guitar where the body is shaped like the United States map. And, um, and then she had some that were painted differently. I believe, I don't know if it was the same guitar repainted, but, uh, I always remember she had that cool guitar and she played great slide guitar and, uh, I'm really, really sad to wake up and, and, uh, learn of this sad news today. Yeah, you know, I remember you taking me to see them, I believe at Seabees, and then I also remember you taking me to see Mark Middleton, their guitar player, would come up and like play with his own side band or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then we would go out at least once, possibly twice, with Mark afterward, and I think, I'm pretty sure it was twice, I think both times we went to this... Mexican place. Was this, yeah, what was it San called? Loco. San Loco. Yeah, San Loco. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love San Loco and, and, uh, Raging Slab on the album that's uh, just called Raging Slab. Uh, they have a song called San Loco and it always goes, I'm going to get me some of that San Loco stuff. And, uh, right, right, right. there's a little rest there, San Loco stuff. And, uh, my favorite thing, um, was the taco burger. It was called the taco burger. I don't think it's on the menu anymore. And, and the, the original, the location I used to like to go to has, has moved down the street, but, uh, if you're in New York, look for the restaurant called San Loco. Uh, it's a East Village staple, in my opinion. And uh, right yeah, it's it's so cool that we did that. Yeah, Mark Mark's band uh, is called the Desperados. I I'm not. Sh- I would put a bet on that the Desperados are still uh, together, and they they do a lot of gigs in Pennsylvania. I haven't seen them for a while. I used to jam with the Desperados when I would go back home. And uh, what, what's pretty neat is. Um, sometimes raging slab even when they were famous uh you know they'd be doing like gigs with motley crew and then when they were off they'd go back to my hometown and do des- i remember the alec said yeah yeah we're gonna go do some desperados gigs and so like uh i remember this place it was called frank's pier and um it was like uh not that far away from my hometown it was a very cool like like local style bar in uh western pa and uh uh, I just get a little laugh when I, when I say it, right. not because of the, not because of I'm laughing at the bar, but just I'm thinking of the great times that I would have back in my hometown. There was a lot of lot of great rock and rollers back there, and uh, I mean, how cool would that be to just go, you know, like into your like you know, pretend this is not New York City and you're in you know some small town and you just go down the street to like the local bar that maybe you know your grandfather's hanging out at, and next thing you know, Raging Slab busts right. out, yeah, you know, and uh, just jams, and that's how cool it was. And uh, I just love that band. And like I said, I'm I'm really sad to hear, you know, about this uh, news about Elise. So yeah, absolutely. 
I tell you what, let's get into a little raging slab right now. This is Anywhere But Here. was Raging Slab with Anywhere But Here. There's a great video for that. If you look it up on YouTube, Gary Coleman is in the video. And uh, I'm trying Who did Rick Rubin didn't produce that, did he? He, he may have. I, I think he did. I, I actually think he did. We might, uh, maybe one of our Let me look it listeners. Up. We'll, we'll look it up. Mark is going to look it up real quick. 
Um, Gary Coleman's in the video. The the album had a like a boot on the front. Yeah, produced by Rick Rubin and Brendan O'Brien. Wow. Oh, cool! Like top top of the line producers there, both yeah. Brendan O'Brien and Rick Rubin. Yeah, uh, and uh, John Paul Jones did the strings on the record. I don't think that yeah. song had any strings, but wow! Yeah, how cool Crazy. is that? Yeah, Led Zeppelin guy, and um, you know they're a great band, guys. So if you don't know a lot about Raging Slab, you should educate yourself and go listen to their stuff. We got it. You know, you mentioned this guy earlier, and he's uh, been such a part of of my life. Not really. I mean, I wouldn't say on a personal level, but just as a fan. And we've had many times where we've gotten to interview him and hang out with him. Really, I'm thinking of like four different times right off the yeah, top. Yeah, and of my head. I, I, let me tell you, I would say on a personal level too, because how many legends have written a song about called talking, talking Metal? Yeah, about right us. Right on. This is his return to heavy metal. He kind of was doing some other stuff there in the in the mid to late nineties, and this was supposed to be his his return to true metal, if you will. In two thousand, it was called the Resurrection Record, and it features our friend Metal Mike on guitar. This is the song Resurrection.
the resurrection of the metal god, Rob Halford. That was the the song that resurrected him as the metal god, if you will, back in 2000. And, you know, it's interesting. If you do look at the stuff he did back in the 90s, he had Fight, he had, which was still metal, but it was more of a 90s metal sound. Then he had Two with, with John Five. Uh, which I actually saw one of the few concerts they they played and and uh, he he did some great stuff in the nineties, but we were really all extremely happy when he put back on the leather and embraced his his classic metal, his true metal sound like he does on the resurrection record, which you know everyone always talks about the priest records, John, but th- that resurrection record, that first Halford solo record, wow, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, legendary guy, great record, great, great tunes. Um, oh, Wendy O. Williams. Yeah, I'm showing John. We have the Skype camera on. I wanted to end with some Wendy O. Oh, and I wanted to, you know, I, I was talking about this on the last, we were talking about this on the last, uh, um, I had this guy Joe on who's a Wendy O. Uh, expert. And I was talking a, a little bit to him about this record. And I wanted to get your opinion on this record, John, because so much kiss stuff on this record I yeah. mean, kiss relations this is the we're talking about the wow record the w-o-w record by wendy o williams so much stuff ace is on this record yeah ace gene plays, produce it yeah mm-hmm. gene plays bass on every song right under the name reginald van helsing yeah and here's the deal um Vinny gene is, is Vinny on the record yes paul wow. stanley eric carr Vinny vincent wow now, here's what my take is on that. Gene was somehow involved with producing the record, and, and I think what may have happened is that Gene possibly used some tracks and maybe even some demos that were done initially for himself and or Kiss, and maybe they showed up in some form on that record and and like uh one guy that we we could always get on to talk about this is mitch weissman because he was he actually is on the record too uh playing piano right and and um he could probably verify you know whether or not some of these uh some of these tracks are are tracks that may have begun as a, a kiss song uh or a kiss demo or a gene song or a gene demo or maybe they did and then were recut for uh her record but but um the album uh, the drum sound definitely is a reminiscent of the drums on creatures of the night um and then I think Ace actually just went down and, and did that solo specifically for that song on that record. So I don't think that was a leftover solo. I, I, I for some reason, believe that, you know, Ace did go in and cut that specifically for her right. record and, uh, you know, with Gene. And uh, I, I love that record. Uh, the uh, group that I jam with, you know, now, as you know, like it. Um, uh, we play the song Bump and Grind uh, with uh, a little bit of a different arrangement and uh, different, uh, you know, similar yet slightly different lyrics. Cool. And um, it, we love that song. And I, lo- I love the record uh, song on there called Legends Never Die. Um, it's My Life is on that record, which uh, is also officially now a Kiss song uh, written by Paul and Gene. And uh, that song is "It's My Life." The Kiss version is on the, uh, the Kiss box set, the right? box set. Yeah, yeah box set. Yeah. Cool. And, well, let's. We uh, should end cool. with that. I want to end with that song. It's my life okay. by Wendy O. Williams. And again, that record came out in 1984. Classic stuff. 
Uh, I want to remind everybody, John, and I want to actually talk to you about this. I'm going to the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. It's on August 26th. I would love it if the Talking Metal listeners joined me there. I would love it if you joined me there, John. I don't know if yeah, what I'm your planning schedule on is. It. Okay. I All am right. planning there. on being Exclusive. there. Exclusive. Wow, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about the details more. John, uh, I already booked my flight and my, oh, good. my plane uh, ticket. I, I booked thing. Emily a ticket on the plane, too, and now she's like, I don't know if I can go, so I don't know if I can transfer that ticket to you or, mm. or something. But yeah, We'll look into it. Yeah, maybe. Um, and it's going to be great. Michael Butler's going to be there. All, all, oh, like cool. The Decibel Geek podcast. There's going to be all sorts of people. Bill Wang, Donnie G is coming. Oh, in. Yeah. Joey Haney from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. All your favorite podcasts and podcast uh, family members will be there hanging out. Mark Slaughter's coming down. One of the guys from Cinderella. Not Tom Kiefer. I forget, I forget which guy. Um Gary Corbett is going to be hanging oh, out, good. and we probably Corbett. can jam with with him. You know, so it's going to be cool. just a lot of fun. And I would love to see you guys there and shake your hand and meet you and give you yeah. a talking metal T shirt. It would be great to hang out. So consider it August twenty sixth in Nashville, Tennessee, the Rock and Pod Expo. I'll have some links up in today's show notes to uh, for you guys to check out. I know there's a website, a Rock and Pod Expo website, and also a GoFundMe page, and you can check those out, and maybe we'll see you there. And it sounds like John's going to be there, which yes. I'm psyched about. That yeah, would be awesome. I, I think we should do it up talking metal style, as yeah, we say. Yeah, we'll, we'll go look Nashville's for Vinnie Vincent. Nashville's a fun Vincent. city. Yeah, yeah we'll go. Yeah, we might, hey, might Vinnie Vincent, uh, rumored to have uh, been in the area. I, I think it's pretty much confirmed that uh, Vinnie was living near Nashville. Um, no one is sure where he is at at the moment quickly uh, is that a drone behind you oh yeah yeah i haven't opened it i got it for christmas it's that's cool there. yeah yeah <laughs> it's not one of the the thousand dollar ones it's like a probably a forty dollar one you know but uh yeah i gotta check that out i haven't, I haven't yes. tried it yet my kids keep bugging me to open that but anyways yeah i gotta run my my okay. mom just got here actually so we're going to end with It's My Life. Guys, please keep using the Amazon links. There's a PayPal tab if you want to support. Um, I appreciate all the support you've given us in the past, and please continue to do so. Check out the site. There's a news section on the site. There's a great article up about Wendy O. Williams and uh, links and all that good stuff. So check out TalkingMetal.com. And this is It's My Life. Do you know, I, I, I'm looking at the CD, and it doesn't actually say who plays on this song, John. Do you know who plays? Yeah, we know, you know Wendy what? O, and we know Gene is on bass and producing, but... Hmm. Uh, you know what? That's, a, that's like a reissue. I have the album somewhere, or at least I had the album, and I Michael think, Ray plays lead guitar, uh, okay. it does say, Michael on Ray. It's My Life. Um, uh, T.C. Tolliver drums... Okay. Except Legends Never Die, which is... Which is Eric, Eric Carr, Carr, right? Yeah. Maybe we should play that, Legends Never... What do you think? Uh, can we play both? Yeah. We'll do a little sound sample of It's My Life. And, uh, yeah, let's do that right now. Yeah. So we'll do a sound sample of It's My Life and then another sound sample of Legends Never Die. Yeah, cool. And, we'll do, and then, we'll, then, then that's it. The show's over. All right, John. Well, thank you. Okay, and and you know what? I, I hope this uh, is appropriate because I got to listen to the lyrics. I, I'm not as familiar with them, but uh, 
uh, Elise Steinman in my life was a, uh, I regard her as a legendary guitar player from Raging Slab. So let's dedicate that song to her. Legends Never Die, dedicated to Elise from Raging Slab. And first, we're going to hear a little sound sample of It's My Life. Both Wendy O. Williams songs off the... Do you say wow or do you say W-O-W? Yeah, I, I, th- I always say wow, but it, it's technically W period O period W, I think. But okay. uh, All right. anyway. Wendy O. Williams bud. from 1984. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mark. Have a great day. Thanks, listeners.
Keep the hand of fate Just close your eyes 